It's the worst feeling as well when you can feel that you've gone too far and you're like, oh no, I'm getting a bit sick or like I'm wobbly or when you can hear yourself slurring, oh. like in your brain, you're fine. Your internal monologue, she's sharp as a tack. And then you go to speak, you're like, zzz, zzz, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I can hear it. I know. Your like, internal monologue is like, I know I'm drunk. I know. But outside, you're like, I don't know, I'm drunk. But so worry. And you're like, oh. And there's no going back. No. That point. Hey, chicks, I'm Al. And I'm Sal. And this is Two Broke Chicks, the show that shares life lessons because we are broken funds but rich in life. How it's are you? I'm good. You good? Yeah, at the time of recording, it's before the long weekend. Oh so my God, we're ready. I am ready. It's yeah. going to be fabulous. I'm so excited. I'm going to Lake Conjola mm-hmm. with like 14 of our friends this weekend. I'm going to be like a shell of a human being once we get back. <laughs> but yeah, next week you'll just be a skeleton in the chair. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. That like scene in Beetlejuice when like he's sitting next to like the husk of a human. <laughs> the tiny head. Yeah. I love him. It's going to be me. Yeah, he's an energy. I yeah, it's going to be good. Today we have a super fun episode and we're talking all about the things you should know how to do in your 20s. And we've got a wide range of things you should know from small to probably – a little bit of responsibility, a bit larger, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. larger than life. Mm-hmm. And don't feel bad if you don't know how to do these things yet because I can promise you majority of people don't know how to do a lot of these things that they should in their 20s. And that's also kind of what your 20s is for. Like it's about learning how to be a little bit more of an adult and, you know, how to kind of take the bull by the horns and take the reins mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah, but we're going to be your big sisters today. We'll yeah. We'll give you a little, little bit of uh, insider scoop. Yeah, and I feel like know. majority of these things, I learned how to do them in my 20s. Fully. Also, you should know how to do these in your 20s or at any age, by yeah. the way. Like, if you don't know how to do this in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 80s. <laughs> yeah, for all of our uh, geriatric listeners yeah. out there. Yeah. It's like Valerie and Marjorie are somewhere in a folks' home being like, it's a good episode. That's going to be it's us. us. Yeah. Sure. Patty and Selma. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vibes. Before we start our episodes, we do share our life lessons of the week. So mm-hmm. Sally Bally, love of my life, mother, best friend, sister, and golem. <laughs> Mix it up a bit. These get more extravagant and true every week. I know. And I love it. Tell me, what have you learned? So my life lesson of the week is actually a recommendation that we got from one of you chicks in our DMs on Instagram. So thank you for that. And it's a buy nothing Facebook group. So instead of like a buy swap sell Facebook group, it's more about gratitude and giving and spreading positive vibes and like gifting things to people mm. in your community. So it will be like buy nothing Bondi, buy nothing Marrickville. So they're all very specific to the suburbs. But people will be like, I've got these pot plants that I don't need and I want to gift them to someone. Or, you know, I've got this piece of art that I want to give to someone. And it's just such a cute way to give things another life and share them on to somebody else, but it isn't like you're not expecting anything in return, which is really cute. I think as well so often it's like things you wouldn't sell. Like it's a used book Mm. that what, you're going to put that on Facebook Marketplace for $10? Whereas when you know someone, I feel like as well when you've got friends and you know them, you so easily do that. Be like, oh, like I'm not using these pot plants anymore. Do you want them? Exactly. If not, I'm going to get rid of them. 
So yeah. it's so good. Or like clothes that you know you don't wear anymore or you don't want anymore rather than throwing them out. Or like you can give them to charity, obviously, but you can put them in this so you know that they're either not going to sit just in a bin somewhere or like just in a pile. Yeah, exactly. So have a little look on Facebook and see if there's any groups in your nearby areas. That's how Alex met one of her best friends. This was like a buy and sell situation. Oh, yeah. But meeting somebody on Facebook. So you never know. You could also, you know, gift someone something really special or you could make a best friend for life. Fully. I met my best friend, Sean and Pia, because Sean was selling a vintage Harley shirt on Facebook Marketplace. And I remember... They like buzzed me into their apartment. He's like, yeah, come in. And I was like, is this it? Is this how it happens? As all <laughs> Facebook marketplace exchanges happen, you think I'm either going to get a good deal or I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And there's no in between. No. You're always like texting your friend the address of where it is and you've got your keys in your fist. Yeah. <laughs> I like came up and ended up hanging out there for like half an hour chatting to them. Got my t-shirt, went on my merry way. And then a year later, I was at a like house party with another friend and I was talking to these people and then the moment just clicked and I was like wait did you sell a Harley shirt on Facebook maybe like a year ago and they were like oh my god and we were just like oh my god we met it was fate and now we're literally best friends I had breakfast with her this morning yeah so So crazy that could happen to you jicks all right what's your life lesson my life lesson is might be a bit scandalous, mm. but Billboard has just dropped an article on the ranking of the 100 best Disney songs. I know. I know. We're about to get in a fight. I know. But we're not going to take you through the whole 100 <laughs> because that would be the whole episode, which, not going to lie, I kind of want to do a whole episode discussing that. I would love that. <laughs> um, but I'm going to talk you through the top five best Disney songs of all time. Fuck. We'll start from number five, When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio. Iconic. I think this song is so iconic, it should be number one. Not because it's necessarily my favourite, but because it's one, the most beautiful Disney song in my opinion, Mm. and two, it's the Disney song. It's the song that is played at the start of every Disney movie when you see the Disney castle. Yeah, I think people really don't give Pinocchio enough credit. No, Pinocchio the movie sucks. No, I love Pinocchio. No, Pinocchio the movie sucks. No, it doesn't. Yes, it And does. we owe this fucking movie for this song. So don't say that. The movie sucks, the song rocks. No, it doesn't. Eh, agree to disagree. Fake Disney fan, number four. That, I'm just kidding. Number four. Number four. Be Our Guest from Beauty and the Beast. It's very good. It's a bop. The whole ensemble, the horny French candelabra. Did mm-hmm. I say that right? Yeah. Lumiere. Lumiere. Yeah, love that. Do we agree with this ranking? I think so. I think so too. Number three, It's a Small World After All. No way. No fucking way. Not only is that probably the most annoying song ever, it's the same fucking, what, five words, six words. Over and over. I love it in the context of the ride. Yes. And that's it. How many Disney playlists have we crafted and curated over the years and I've never put that on there? If that came on, it would get a hard skip. Yeah. Yeah, I only like it on the ride. Any other sense, skip. Number two, Let It Go Frozen. Sure, it was really popular, but I think there's some more classic songs that we could have had in the top five. I think 
It's unsurprising it's in the top five. Is it in my top five? No. Probably not. I do love it. It would maybe be in my top ten, but it doesn't really encapsulate the classic Disney sound for me. It's yeah. too contemporary. That's yeah. why I wouldn't consider it in a top five because yeah. it almost sounds like a pop song. It is a pop song, especially Demi Lovato's cover of it. Mm. Do you remember when that was playing on the radio for ages? She ate. And then number one, Part of Your World, The Little Mermaid. Yay! Yeah. yeah. I completely agree with that. I know, right? I love that song. It's the cry. best. It is the best Disney song ever. It does deserve the number one spot and anyone who disagrees is wrong. Mm. But uh-huh. Uh-huh. this is the top five. Uh-huh. Where the fuck, fuck is the, the Lion King? King? I know, right? I know. So the huh? first Lion King appearance is, I'm still scrolling. Oh, my God. Number 11, the circle of life. Do you know what is above the circle of life? I'll tell you. Breaking Free High School Musical, A Spoonful of Sugar, The Climb, Hannah Montana. What? The Mickey Mouse March. A whole new world, that's what. And, yeah, then we're back to the top five. Oh, my God. Do you know what the other travesty was? And we are going to wrap up on this segment. Mulan? No. On My Way from Brother Bear Mm. was 94. Uh Uh-huh. Who, Billboard, we need to talk. Whoever the journalist was that wrote this, let's go grab a coffee. I just have a healthy debate. I want to see the methodology behind this. You're wrong. Because it's a small world after all, being number three and Circle of Life being number 11. Incorrect. Yeah, and no Lion King or Mulan or Tarzan. Come Oh, what did Bill Collins work so hard for? Mm, He didn't have to go that hard. (sighs) But he did. For us. For us, for you. And you didn't even appreciate it, Billboard. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that was a very long life lesson. As we said, (laughs) we could speak about that for a very long time. But... (laughs) Now that we have gone through the Disney segment, we can now talk about (laughs) things you should know in your 20s. Starting off, and I think this is easily the biggest thing anyone should know how to do at any age, and it's how to apologise. I think knowing how to apologise properly and knowing when to apologise is so important because I don't think, in my opinion, and with the right people, that there's never a point in time that it's that you shouldn't apologize if something has happened so like even if you didn't intend on hurting someone's feelings even if you were in your own world and you didn't mean to upset someone if they're upset and you love them and they are a good person to you that is always a necessity to apologize for that because you don't have to be like I'm sorry I did speak to you that way it can be like, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Mm. Not, I'm sorry you feel that way, I'm not sorry. That whole thing of being like, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry, you know, you took it that way. Yeah, and that's passive-aggressive. Yeah, instead you'd be like, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. That was not my intention mm. if that was the case. But it probably was, you sneaky little thing. Yeah, and I just think... It does, like, more harm than good to stick your heels in the ground and be like, well, I'm not saying sorry. I didn't do anything wrong. Like, definitely if there's people in your life that are a bit toxic and, you know, they're like, oh, you did this, you did this, 
obviously that's not what we're kind of referencing here. But when you've done something wrong and you know you've done something wrong or you didn't mean to and still that happened, knowing just how to be like, fuck, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah, exactly. And having that really open conversation and have it in real time. Don't wait months, Mm. you know, because it only gets worse with time. And an apology should never be over text. An apology should always be in person. And if you can't do that, a phone call because a text apology is just a cop out. Yeah, I agree. Also, the other thing with knowing how to say sorry is meaning it and following through on that. So if you're like, I'm sorry I did that, it really does mean you'll never do it again. You know when your parents would be like, you don't just say sorry, you say sorry, I won't do it again. Mm -hmm. But I do think, one, we're all human and it can be easy to fuck up. So I think even acknowledging saying sorry, I'll do my best to not do that again. Yeah. And And actually try. Yeah. And if you're not sure how to do that, ask them how Mm. you can make it up to them or how you can show it to them Mm. and give them also the space to speak their truth and why they were hurt or betrayed or whatever the scenario was Mm. because it's a two-way conversation as well and then that can give you more context on what to do Mm. next time and take accountability and don't make excuses Mm. you know you can give context and explain but again don't put it back on them or try and shift the blame just Mm. own it because it's Mm. better for both of you in that scenario I think it is good to provide context being like I'm so sorry I didn't mean to do that this is what was happening in my head but I completely acknowledge how that made you feel yeah And that's easy. Again, as well, when someone apologizes to you, I think it is important to, you know, have that positive reinforcement that try not to hold on to it. Like once someone says sorry, unless something really fucked happened, like letting it go because you don't want people to feel either that an apology means nothing. You see this in relationships all the time. People will forgive someone for something and then every time they have a fight, that same issue comes up again. It's like you haven't truly let go. Mm. And if you're going to accept someone's apology, that's like your responsibility to let that part go. I cannot stand when someone can't apologise. I cannot stand it. When they're like, well, I didn't mean it like that, so they took it that way. And I'm like, well, you're a dick. Mm -hmm. This is why you have no friends, Charlene. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like five colleagues that we used to have that would just be like, well, I'm perfect, so... Mm, yeah, yeah. Or it reminds me of like people I went to high school with. Oh, fully. Like if there's someone in your life that is incapable of apologising, that's a measure of them, not on you. Mm-hmm. Like they are a big fucking baby. Yeah. So grow up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Mm. And you don't need to be anyone's parent. You don't need to teach people how to apologise. If they don't know how to apologise, they are not going to get very far in their own life. It's not your job to be like, I want an apology. I want it. Give me that. You're not going to get any satisfaction from asking someone to say sorry. No. They have to be sorry. Otherwise, it's going to keep going and keep happening. So if someone can't apologise for something when they've wronged you, time to cut that person out of your life. Yeah, exactly. I've done that before. Mm. Never looked back. The next thing that you should know in your 20s is how to make an appointment. You see so many like TikToks and memes about this because it is so fucking relatable that all through your childhood and high school, you're used to your parents calling up and making your doctor's appointments for you and then all of a sudden you have to do it and then they never get booked. Yeah. 
and then you haven't been to the dentist for seven years. Yeah. And it is an awful feeling. And you sometimes always fuck it up. You're like, hi, I'm Mally Sickmullen. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. But it's not that hard or scary. This is these people's jobs. You know, mm. they're not being like, oh, a bit shaky on yeah. that one. She stumbled on the line. Loser. Yeah, 100%. And I think as well, we just said this, and I know for me as well, but I know probably for majority of the chicks listening to this, when we said that, the appointment they need to make that they've been putting off just popped into their head. Mm -hmm. So whatever that appointment is that you need to make, you need to do that right after this podcast and then maybe give yourself a little Tim Tam after you've done it. A little treat. Fuck yeah. I literally bribed my roommate. The other day, she needs to make an appointment for something. And I was like, if you make your appointment, I will give you a Tim Tam. And then she got really stressed later in the day about something with work. So I gave her a Tim Tam and she was like, but I didn't make my appointment. I was like, well, you can still get another one after. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is you as a parent. I'm seeing it now. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) It is me to like all my foster children be like, don't scratch the couch. Oh, but you know what? It's an old cat. Yeah. It's fine. It, it probably said something mean to you. Yeah. But Did yeah. that feel nice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 nice exactly. But I think the second part of that is knowing when and how often you need to make these appointments. So, for example, your dentist, you should be going every six months. Your cervical screening, if you're 25 years or older, and you've had a patch mirror. God, I love these. They're just great. I They're love just being, so fun. I love being a person with a uterus. But if you've had a pap smear in the last two years and you're over 25, you need to book in for another one. And then after that, you can get them every five years, hmm. which is good to know. And then also skin checks. Yeah. Should be getting those at least every year or if you're high risk, every six months. Hmm. A good life hack to making appointments if you're bad at making appointments is once you actually go, put in that time for the future one. Oftentimes when we go to our appointment, we finish up, they say, would you like to book in your next one? And we're like, no, 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 it's fine. I'll just do it in the future. No, do it then. Because I do think when you have those scheduled in appointments, you do quite often just keep them and it's something that you're already doing. You're like, Mm. oh, I've got that booked in, so I've got to go. It's just that thing in your brain that you aren't like, oh, I need to cancel that. You're like, oh, I've got that, so I'm going. It's like the universe is like, come on, dentist Mm -hmm. time, girly. (laughs) Yeah. The worst. Another really good thing to know in your 20s is your personal style and uniform. So we actually had Flex Mommy on the show a while ago who kind of spoke to this as well. But knowing what you like to wear, what makes you feel good and having that uniform that you put it on and you look banging is such a good asset to have in your tool belt because – You just will go into life without the spiral of pulling everything out of your wardrobe, putting it on and being like, this looks like shit. Yeah, which is the worst feeling. There is no worse feeling than when you're planning an outfit in your head and you're like, yep, Slay puts it on and you're like, oh no, that is not what it was supposed to be. So knowing what you feel like complements you, that you feel comfortable in, and you're not going to be walking around feeling like, I know when I wear something that like isn't part of my uniform, I will feel like a string Christmas ham. Mm. Like I'll be like, I don't like this. And that always happens when you're going to events. Mm -hmm. Like why is that the time when you think like, yeah, now I'll make a risk and Mm. wear something I would never fucking wear? Mm -hmm. 
But I think that's the thing when you know your color palette that suits your skin tone and hair and mm-hmm. that you like, your aesthetic and vibe, the silhouettes that you like, mm. then you can make that work whether you're going to get your coffee in the morning or going to a wedding and you can keep that in your wheelhouse. And I feel like that way you don't end up slipping into trends that come and go that Definitely. aren't your vibe. You don't waste your money on shit that you're never going to wear again. And then you have pieces that will complement other pieces in your wardrobe mm-hmm. and it's easier to mix and match. And it just helps you build who you are a bit more. Like cowboy boots are a part of my identity. Totally. That's not necessarily something in anyone else's capsule wardrobe, but that's in mine. Yeah. Whereas like, I don't know. What's another popular thing other people wear that wouldn't be in our capsule wardrobe? Like ballet flats. Yeah, but or who's is that in? It's back, baby. Like ballet flats are the low rise pants. Like you know how three years ago we were like, there is no way this is gonna catch True. on. Like they are back in a big way. Low rise pants might be in someone else's capsule wardrobe, might be part of their identity. Not necessarily ours. It would never be in mine. No, never. That and peplum. Bluff. <laughs> I can't. Mm -hmm. I also think that notion of like how to dress for your body type is is over. Like that's not what we're saying. We're definitely telling you to find things that make you feel good in what you're wearing, not make you feel like you need to go put on 72 different styles of jeans because we're like, yeah, if you've got a hourglass body or a pear-shaped body or whatever that is. And it's like that was so fucked as well because it was like, Oh, there's there's two of these body types that are really the only one people should want to have and then everything else sucks. Yeah, and, and you can't like, wear this if you have this body yeah, type. Yeah, you can't wear this if you got this body type because you're fat. Yeah. You're like, okay, cool. Yeah, we're not, you know, Cosmopolitan no. magazine in 2003. We've Fuck moved that beyond shit. that. Yeah, wear what you want, wear what makes you feel good and put it on and feel hot. The next thing that you need to know in your 20s or at any age is how to come very important and how to communicate what you want in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So I think lots of us grow up with an idea of what sex should be and what coming should be and what that whole experience should be like. Mm-hmm. Like we all watch movies and they like make out for five seconds and then somehow he's inside her mm-hmm. like two seconds later. I'm like, I'm sorry, where's the foreplay? I can promise you she is dry as the Sahara Desert right now. 1, there 000%. is no way your penis went in like that. No, there was a scene cut somewhere where lube was brought out, okay, and that's on the cutting room floor. Also, in movies, they're not actually having sex now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so you're, like, you're like, these actors didn't <laughs> fuck. You're like, the well, fantasy is ruined. They cut and they brought out lube so they could have sex. <laughs> <laughs> like they well, great. That fantasy is ruined. <laughs> Maybe Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm, that was Maybe the rumor, hey. The actual like, director was like, wait, no, you guys don't actually have to. And they're already like, fucking <laughs> slamming away. Yeah, <laughs> They're like, fully. wait, no, cut, 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 guys. Wait, why is his dick out? <laughs> no one would complain about that. I'd watch. <laughs> I'm there being like, improv, improv, let them play it out. Yeah, let them play it out. Let's Come see how this develops. Come on, this is a good pathway. Mm. And action. <laughs> All right, Angie, lift your leg. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, we digress. But an 
an important part of knowing what you like, of course, is spending time with yourself mm-hmm. through masturbation. Masturbating. Mm-hmm. There we go. I'm learning how to say it like a normal person. <laughs> I still like masturbating, but whatever. Yeah, that's fine. Just like in the bedroom. You can... I can communicate that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think spending time alone mm. and figuring out what you want and really leaning into what feels good for you and not feeling ashamed of that and kind of just leaning into those impulses because I think there's a lot of things as well that you're like oh that might be a bit freaky but if you like it and it's consensual yeah fucking lean in plus like you'll never know like there's so many times that you know I haven't necessarily tried something I'm like oh that's a bit intense and then like you do it, you're like, wow, like that was fun. Yeah. Like it's good to mix it up and always make sure that things are in a comfortable and consensual setting. I think knowing how to communicate the things that you like isn't hard and remembering that it's not an insult to anyone that you're with. It's not that they're doing anything wrong. It's that you can do more together. Mm-hmm. Kind of having that in your mind being like, I'm not asking them to change what they're doing. I'm asking them to maybe go along the same parallel line that they're on and, you know, mix it up a bit. And there's nothing wrong that like if someone's, you know, pleasuring you being like, oh, that's good, do this. Mm. Or little little to the left. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like I think we forget that people that we're being intimate with want to pleasure us. They want us to feel good. Yeah. They don't want you to walk away not having enjoyed that. So when you do communicate that, it's only going to be beneficial for you in the long run. It's like the analogy at work. You know when you're training someone, it's taken a long time, and you're like, do you know what? This will just be easier if I do it myself. Mm. But in the long run, that doesn't serve you because you're going to continue to have to just do it yourself. But when you train someone to do it how you do it and how you like it done, then everyone's a winner because you don't have to do it anymore and they're really good at it. And that is the exact same as the bedroom. Yeah, exactly. Or the kitchen countertop or the couch <laughs> mm-hmm. or the work the, desk. Or the back Not the work house. desk. Not the work desk. What? No, no, no. Oh, my God. I meant like you work from home desk. <laughs> sure no, I not. did. I genuinely meant that. <laughs> I genuinely meant work from home desk, not not mm. office desk. No. Please, dear God, no. No, 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 no. But yeah, I think that you can communicate that in a way that's really positive. Mm. Like, I love it when you Mm. touch me like this, or I love it when you say this, or I really, like, I want you to do this to me. Mm. Like, I feel like that would be a huge turn on for a lot of people being like, really? Like, not being like, oh, like, we never do this. Yeah. Like, you can make it sexy. Yeah. Make it hot. Mm. And if they're like, I'm not into that, then that's fine. As well. Exactly. And give them the space to also say that, you know? Yeah. It's a conversation. It's a two-way street. Why did I get all flustered then? I just took a deep breath. I made you horny. I made you horny. Mm-hmm. Oh, this one's a good one. <laughs> Knowing when to remove yourself. So we're kind of talking like when you're out for drinks, maybe when you're having a bit of a heated discussion or when you feel yourself, you know, with that little kettle temper going up, that might have nothing to do with anyone. Maybe you're just in a fucking mood that day. Mm. But knowing when you are not going to serve future you, like knowing when you're out for drinks and you might have a really important business meeting the next morning, or you know you've got to be up early to do something and being like, I am going to absolutely hate myself tomorrow morning, even though it's fun right now. 
way up? Is it as much fun now as that's going to be worth waking up tomorrow morning and wanting to put your head in a meat grinder, you know? Yeah. And then especially a heated discussion, I think similar to Hannah's tip that she gave on our episode on how to win every argument, if you go into a conversation just wanting to win, you're always going to walk away losing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't serve a purpose. And I think as well it's so human to be in a conversation where you're like, this is irking me so much. Like this is this is just and it's just and that noise happens. That's when it's time to leave it. Like if you know that you are not serving the conversation, it's not serving anyone. It's the time to be like, Do you know what? I'm gonna remove myself. We can either pick this up later, or I'm just removing myself point blank. And I think a big thing that I've learned in my 20s is how to identify my own triggers in those situations and having a bit of self-awareness and looking at it like, okay, I know this will set me off. So I'm just not even going to go or I'm going to step away immediately. And in those times when you have, you know, maybe had a heated discussion or you, or a night has gotten too big and you really regret it. think like, what was the turning point that I could have, Mm, you know, gone down another self-reflection? Yeah. And I think that will really help you in the long run. Mm. And yeah, so many arguments or regrets can be avoided by having that little bit of self-awareness, you know? I think as well, like you don't even necessarily need to be involved in the conflict. Like when, you know, I've been in group situations and you can see two people kind of having a little bit of a go rather than involving myself and trying to like be a diplomat in the situation and fix it, like trying to fix other people's problems. I think that was one thing that I always had an issue with that, if someone had a problem or someone was having a fight or they needed help with something, not needed help actually because I'm always going to help, but if there was something else happening, I'm like, here, like how can I? You want to play mediator. Yeah, like how can I problem solve this? How can I, you know, help with the communication here, which doesn't necessarily need to happen. Or like if two friends are having a little spat, you don't need to get involved. I'm just like, you know what? This doesn't involve me. Exactly. Like wash my hands of it and bounce. Yeah, totally. So another one, which is kind of a little bit fun, a little bit quick, but your beauty prep basics. So don't wash your hair before a massage or a facial. They're going to have their oily hands and they're going to give you a beautiful head massage that you're going to be like, great, why did I bother washing my hair? Mm-hmm, exactly. Don't fake tan before laser hair removal. Mm-hmm. You'll burn <laughs> your legs or wherever you're getting lasered. <laughs> don't wet your eyebrows after an eyebrow lamination. That's basically... For me, I ended up giving them a perm. They were like really curly and wavy and I was like, oh no. Oh my God. It's such a waste of money when you do that. Such a waste of money. Don't drink alcohol before or after getting any cosmetic injections. Mm -hmm. It thins your blood so it makes your bruising and swelling worse. Mm. Don't keep bleaching your hair. We all know someone that bleaches their hair and you're just like, stop. Yeah. Like if your hair is at the point... That you're like, eesh, it's time to give it a break. Like, it's okay. It's It'll be all right. You don't have to be that blonde for that long. Yeah. Maybe you, give it a rest. You'll still look hot as a brunette. Yeah. Or whatever your natural hair colour is, okay? Mm-hmm. This is my favourite. <laughs> Plait your hair when you're going to sleep. Don't wear it up in a tight top knot that's pulling on all the strands of hair. Mm-hmm. That's how you get lots of breakage. Mm-hmm. And then... Another hair one. These are all sows. <laughs> mm-hmm. But this isn't just hair. This is everything. Yeah. Know your hair, wash, everything shower, 
and tan weekly schedule. Okay. Then that way you're not like, fuck, I've got an event tomorrow and like I washed my hair two days ago. That was a complete waste. I should have washed it tonight. Like, Mm. you know, it's good to have like a system. Then you know exactly what to do. That was like on the cruise at one point. Some of our friends were like, oh, we're going to stay out much. I was like, no, today's hair wash night. I got to I gotta wash my hair. Like literally not even the excuse, you know, how people make a joke being like, yeah. oh, you're coming to my birthday? And like, no, nah, I got to wash my hair. <laughs> you actually do have <laughs> to go like, wash your hair. Yeah. And to blow dry this mop. Like it takes a long time. So I got to put hours aside. If you were to put like a pie chart of your values, it would be like so many. And it would be like, oh, you know, like 10% friendship, 10% boyfriend, 10% TV shows, 10%. 50% hair. It's important to me. It's so important you know? to you. It's my whole life. I'm more hair than human. Another thing to know in your 20s is to know your drink limit, what alcohol types work for you, and also how to deal with a hangover. I think we definitely all know an alcohol that we're like, I can't drink that. Mine's tequila. If yeah. I drink tequila, I turn into Svetlana and... She got banned from Manly Wharf Bar when she was eighteen. So, I know that tequila is like I'm gonna have, have I'm gonna have like one or two spicy marks and that's it. Mm-hmm. I can't drink tequila for a whole night, otherwise I turn batshit crazy. Mine's rosé. I can have one or two to start off the evening, but a whole night on rosé. Sally comes Mm. out and will leave a trail of vomit in her wake. It's so funny how everyone has like their kryptonite alcohol that just turns them into a complete gremlin. Mm -hmm. Like a real like Tasmanian devil being like. Yeah, exactly. And knowing your drink limit is so important because, oh, my God, the beast that will come out after that. It Mm -hmm. is not worth it. It's the worst feeling as well when you can feel that you've gone too far and you're like, oh, no, I'm getting a bit sick or, like, I'm wobbly or when you can hear yourself slurring. Like, in your brain, you're fine. Your internal monologue, she's sharp as a tack. And then you go to speak, you're like, and you're like, fuck, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. you're like, I can hear it. I know. Your, like, internal monologue is like, I know I'm drunk. I know. But outside you're like, I don't know, I'm drunk, but don't worry. And you're like, whoa. And there's no going back no. after that point. Like once you're at that point, attack bomb is not going to help you. Mm-mm. Attack Once you're too far gone, attack bomb does not help. It might just like make you feel a little bit better the next day. Yeah, you need to go home. Yeah, go home. <laughs> go to bed. Have a little bucket next year. Mm-hmm. How to cook in your 20s is really important because – We can't keep eating two-minute noodles. And it's just a good skill to have. My tip for knowing how to cook in your 20s or at any age is learn how to use spices. I reckon there's five spices you need in your cabinet and you can make anything you make delicious. Mm -hmm. Pepper, salt, well, salt and pepper, that's going to be one. Chili flakes, onion powder, garlic powder, and then like cumin or paprika. That's all you need to make anything you make scrum diddlyumptious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think at least aim for five meals mm. in your arsenal. Things that are simple and healthy that you can make during the week or you can make if you have friends over or if you're having a little date and invite someone over and you're going to make them some pasta. Mm. Like that's hot. And it's just a good skill to have. Mm-hmm. You don't want to end up, you know, like 
50 years old and eating the same meal every day. That sucks. Yeah. No, like, rubber chicken and boiled potatoes here. Mm, no. Okay. Let's spice it up a bit. Yeah. Food's meant to be enjoyed. Literally. Yeah. Unintended. <laughs> Unintended. And last but not least, the most important one, where your money is going. So empowering yourself with knowing exactly how much your bills are and expenses are in the month. I know it's boring, but once you kind of have that down pat, that's all you need to do. You don't need to keep doing it because it's not going to change unless something changes, like you move houses or your hex debt increases. But I think that background costs like that, like your hex debt, if you have one or your superannuation is so important to understand where that money is going and the end goal. Because I think so many of us sign up to those things when we're 18 and then you kind of just forget about it because mm. it's sort of just coming out of your paycheck. But these things now are so easy to check in your like ATO portal. And a lot of us, when we move jobs, you end up signing up to multiple superannuation accounts and there's fees and things that are involved with that. But it's actually really simple to consolidate them all into one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might want to look at an ethical super fund or look at super funds that are actually going to give you like better returns over time. There are some super funds that are geared towards women, which is really helpful because if you're going to be taking time off, you know, in the future to maybe have some babies or something some like that. But yeah, I think a lot of us sign up to this when we're basically children and then you kind of forget about it. But it's not that complicated once you, you know, have a little look. I just had a niche memory pop up. Does anyone else remember that like St. George baby banking account? Of course I do. That you had when you were like 12 mm -hmm. and your parents set you up with like that St. George little dragon or mini dragon banking account or did you have the combank one at school no nah, it was it was the dragon one because i remember the little cartoon mm. on the little pamphlet my mum was like you'll start banking and i was like okay mm, my school did the combank one and they'd have like a little folder that they bring around and you'd put like two dollars in it oh yeah nah. and they'd put it but it was the same thing yeah scheme to get the children on board <laughs> <laughs> to yeah, the bank and, then for life. and then once they're adults, it's like, guess what? Everything's linked to this bank account. You can't leave. <laughs> Standard. Yeah. All right. Well, that is a wrap, chicks, for today's episode. We hope you feel equipped to, you know, grab your 20s by the horns or however old you are. Mm. Again, this applies to whatever age bracket you are in. These are all things we should know how to do. And it's okay, again, if you don't know how to do them because we're all kind of just like blindly <laughs> going through everything, being like, <laughs> as long as you're trying to, you know, develop yourself, upskill yourself just in your actual life, you're already doing incredible. Yeah. Sadly, there's no course on how to avoid a hangover at school, but that's what Two Broke Chicks is here for. We don't know how to do that, though. Part two. Part two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, chicks, thanks for having us in your ear holes. We absolutely love to be here. And shout out to MIK Studios for making this episode of Two Broke Chicks happen. Goodbye. Bye, chickies. Bye. -bye. Goodbye. 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 Good friends. Goodbye. Goodbye.